0: welcome to bear creek ag's online service podcast
1: we're so glad that you tuned in with us today we upload a new service every sunday morning at 10:30 a.m so we look forward to having you tune in with us again here's today's message Praise team, praise God, praise God, praise. Is that the best you have? My goodness. Oh, my goodness. God is good all the time. Remember, we used to say that all the time. That was the way we greet and all that. It's just phenomenal that it's a truth. Uh, look to your neighbor next to you right now and tell him God's good. Amen. Now, look to the one you didn't want to talk to and tell them God's good. Yeah, you know, funny how we, yeah. How we go to the people, one. yeah, there we go. Amen. So good to see everyone here this morning at Bear Creek Assembly of God. I want to welcome everybody who may be watching online. Sometimes we forget to greet you, but I want you to know that you are important to our church. We feel like you are a part of our church, and we're so thankful that you're joining us today. I'm, my prayer is that you have felt the presence of the Holy Spirit somehow or another work through this building, this room, through all the copper and all the fiber and the airways across this world and made it to you wherever you may be. And God touched you today and ministered to you in the name of Jesus. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 31. Real quick, I'm just going to tell you about this story I heard the other day about this little boy who came home from, from church one Sunday and from Sunday school, and he was kind of down and... His mom said, you know, sweetheart, why, why are you so down? You just come back from Sunday school. We just come back from church. You seem a little down, a little depressed. The little boy said, well, I'm sad because we learned a new song in Sunday school today. And it was about this poor little bear named Gladly. Mom says, a bear named Gladly? Yeah. It's like well, Okay, so why are you sad about the bear named Gladly? Well, he, he, he had a hard time seeing. He was cross-eyed. He couldn't see real well. And I, I really feel bad about singing a song about a bear that is, that's cross-eyed. And so the mom was concerned. She said, well, I'm going to call your Sunday school teacher. I don't understand this. You know how a good parent is. You don't trust the teacher. And so anyways... Your son would never tell anything incorrectly. And so she calls the Sunday she calls, and she, she was perplexed. She said, I don't, I really don't know, man, what, what your, your son's talking about. Because all we did, we, we sang some, I taught him some hymns, but nothing about a bear. And then suddenly the teacher she goes, oh, she started laughing. says, I know what it is. She goes, watch We learned a hymn called, Gladly the Cross-Eyed Bear. <laughs> and if you didn't get that, then you've never sang hymnals before. So anyways... I'm here all week, folks. Make sure that you, uh, you come Thursday to Senior's Lunch, and you can, you can have chicken. So anyways, I'm going to let you catch your breath after that. And some of y'all are still trying to figure that out. It was I, apostrophe D, cross, I, bear. All right, there we go. Gladly the cross I bear. All right. Oh, goodness. Pastor, Pastor Brother Joey pointed that out to me last week, and I was actually going to say it last week in our message but you know what god had other plans and what a great service we had i'm still hearing um testimonies of miracles that are taking place in our church i never say that lightly i know there are things that happen that are miracles just the fact that i got up this morning really is a miracle any of us it's just a miracle of god but when things, a, 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 a miraculous miracle, if I can classify that, is something that goes against nature. Something that happens that goes against the natural law, the natural way of doing things. We're hearing people who are miraculously being healed in our fellowship, and I give God all, it's not me, it's him, and I give him all the glory and honor, I'm going to keep praying and believing for miracles, I'm going to keep praying and believing for deliverances, I'm going to keep praying and believing for God to make ways where we don't see, there is a way, I'm going to keep believing, because he's never let me down, he's never disappointed, because he is a good, good father, amen. Well, we're going to be looking uh, this morning at Proverbs chapter 31, um, tell you a little bit about a story in my life, it's true, as I was preparing for this message today, uh, I can remember um, i'm a child of a of a minister of the gospel, but my father before God called him into ministry he was he was um, he was in the air force twenty eight plus years served faithfully served our nation in combat and things like that and and, and so I traveled a lot. I was born in Selma, Alabama in 1966. Lived there probably less than a year before we moved to Ethiopia, Africa. I lived in Asmar, Ethiopia. I'll I, I, I get that out. Yes, Lord, loose my tongue. Asmar, Ethiopia in Africa for about approximately three and a half, four years before we moved back to Statesboro, Georgia. And from there, six months later, we moved to Des Moines, Iowa, Norwalk, Iowa, a little town outside of that. And then in 1976, at the age of nine years old, so you you do the math, I moved four times before I was 10 years old, we moved to Niceville, Florida, and then my heart was stolen by a young lady who's yet to give it back to me, and I hope she never does. And we moved, I moved over here in 1986 and married her in 1987. So I say all that say that when I moved to Florida, because we got some new faces, kind of let you know a little bit my my history. Um... All I knew was it was just normal to move, but we moved just north of the beaches, and all I could hear and hear about was how beautiful the beaches were. I couldn't wait for a boy that had really never gone to the beach. I couldn't wait to get to the beach. And so one day my mom and dad decided, hey, we're going to load up the car, and we're going go to go uh, to Okaloosa Island, which if you're over there, you know that's between Fort Walton and Destin. That's a, it's just an island, you know. Uh, at the time it was just an island now they got some stuff on it and so we would go there but on the way they stopped by this uh, this tourist shop this store and they bought a float for me to go into the water with but it wasn't just any float it was a one of those that had the clear plastic that you could lay on your face and look through y'all know what i'm talking about this is the boy that wasn't going to put his head underwater still don't like putting his head underwater right Negative. No, I don't like it in my ears, my nose, my eyes. I mean, it's just, it's bad. And so they bought it. And it's so exciting because I went out to the beach and as a nine year old boy would be curious about everything. As a matter of fact, I still, if you know me, I have two saltwater aquariums. I just love oceanography and the things in, 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 the, in water and the ocean and stuff like that. I'm not brave enough to go scuba diving, but I have been snorkeling before. So um, I think I was mistaken for dinner by a barracuda one day, but that's a story for another time. He followed me around on the Barrier Reef offside of, Terry Seegers was with me, yeah. Remember that when we went to Belize that time, and you got sick as a dog. That's all I can remember. You're sick everywhere. Uh, Chumming up the barracudas. Anyways, but being a novice to the beach, if you've ever been to the beach, if you've raced here, you know this, but not knowing it, you know, I get on the float, and I'm looking, and I float, and if you know anything about the beach, if you're not careful, if you're not paying attention for long, you're drifting. You're drifting out down the beach. The current takes you down the beach, or worse yet. The current takes you out to sea. I mean, we've heard stories of people falling asleep on, you know, floats and everything. Next thing they you know, they're way out there at the sea. And so it's called the drift. You just start, you just start drifting. If you're not aware of it before long, you've drifted away from your family, and of course, mom and dad's hollering at me, hey, come back, come back, you know, and the current's getting me. And but yeah, it's something about that, that, that drift, that natural drift. I don't know if you realize it or not, but we are hundred and fifty-four days away from Christmas. You see, I just transitioned right there, right? You're saying, what's this got to do with the we we are 154 days away from Christmas, and uh, that means what? We're a little bit over halfway through this year. I know our teachers don't want to hear this, but school, thank God, is only two weeks away. Praise God! I get my home back. I get my life back. I get I get I mean no you know no I I, I love my wife being around during summertime. But, yeah, it's, we're halfway through 2022. I have to buy her lunch anyways, people, so I might as well preach about her, okay? Summer is coming to an end, and I just wonder, as many as tend to do, have you found yourself drifting a bit? Have you found yourself just drifting a bit? Maybe you started the year off really well. We all make those promises. We call them resolutions that we all tend to break or don't keep. But maybe you're here this morning and said, I had promised myself or I'd made this resolution. This is what I was going to do. Have you kept to that? Oh, pastor, you're getting up on my porch. Yeah, have you kept to it? Maybe you Maybe you joined me in the 21 days of fasting that we do at the beginning of the year. And you started some habits. You started some things in your life. That you said, I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to keep... Having a, a, a dedicated time of de- a, a prayer, a dedicated time of devotion. I'm I'm going to I'm going to fast periodically and do different things because of, of the fact that the the closeness that I felt to God. Have you drifted from those things? Maybe life has gotten busy. And you've drifted away from some relationships. Maybe you had promised yourself, I'm going to be a better mom. I'm going to be a better dad. I'm going to spend more time with family. Maybe you've joined a small group in our church. And and you were, I'm going to do this because the pastor says I need to do it. And why would he lie to me? I'm going to be obedient to my pastor because God put my pastor in my life to, to help me along the way. Because he's a godly man. Come on, I'm preaching really good. If you're not going to amen, I'm going to amen myself right here, right? Yeah, come on. And yet you've drifted from those relationships, maybe from that small group. And if we're really honest with ourselves, maybe this year has drifted away from us. And it's gotten away from us, and it's not what we ever thought it was going to be. Now, if you know anything about Proverbs chapter 31, you've probably heard this preached on Mother's Day and maybe at the funeral of a beloved mother. But it's about a virtuous woman. But before we get to that part of this particular uh, proverb, the first part is actually... uh, a, a writing, a part of a memory of a king by the name of Lumel and what his mother taught him about being a king, being royal, the, the, the role that a royal king should do or how he should act. Listen to what it says right here. She, what she's done, she's found her son drifting in life and, and lining up with, with the culture around him, with what is seemed normal or common in his day. And so she's pulling him back. Listen to what she says in verse 2. Listen, my son, listen, son of my womb, listen, my son, the answer to my prayers. Three times, that's important in in, in Bible literature. She's getting his attention, but in there, there's a declaration, something that is being overemphasized for a reason. She says, do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. It is not for kings, Lomel. It is not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer. No, I'm not preaching on drinking today, so take a deep breath. (laughs) Lest they drink and forget what has been decreed, and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Let beer be for those who are perishing, and wine for those who are in anguish. Let them drink and forget their poverty, and remember their misery no more. Let them remember their misery no more. I believe one of the main reasons that we drift in life, one of the main causes, is because of the stressful things that happen or occur or that we encounter in our lives. Things don't go the way we want to. Stuff just happens that are out of our control. And before we know it, you know, there's stress at home. There's stress at work. There can be stress at church. Uh, They're stress definitely in parenting. There's stress brought on by the economy. There's stress brought on by the pandemic. Now we have monkeypox. I wish monkeys would keep their diseases to themselves. You know, we have all this is going on. Life is heavy sometimes. And if you're like most people, including myself, you find ways to check out. You find ways to escape. You find ways to just get away and unwind, to forget about what you're going through, to not, to not remember your misery anymore. See, As I was reading and studying this passage, the Holy Spirit really laid it heavy on my heart and encouraged me, and I hope he does the same for you. Maybe there's some areas in your life that you have drifted to And the Holy Spirit is ready today to bring, to remove the scales from your eyes, to point it out to you, to help you to see that you have drifted away. There's some things that have drawn you away that will tell you that this is not for kings. This is not for royalty. Maybe the best way to answer this question is by me asking it this way. What has become normal that is a barrier in your life? An obstacle in your life. What has become normal in the world that has become normal in your life? Because let's face it, there's a lot of things that have become normal. And we know that God has gifted you, He's called you, He's given you a purpose. And, and and I know you want to be a committed mom, a committed dad, a commit, committed own, a, a business owner, a committed employee. A, you want to be you fill in the blank. This you want this. You understand God has this role, this 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 path for you, and He's given you influence with people. But what has become normal? Because what the tendency is that we allow things to become normal that are normal in culture. We allow the culture around us, what is accepted as normal in the culture, we allow it, if we're not careful, to become normal and common in our lives, and we're all guilty from it. It has become, listen, I'm going to step on some toes, you're going to eat the meat and spit out the bones today, because I believe the Holy Spirit is going to be able to work through the the hash and the wording of this, and this is not an apology, but I'm just telling you that there are some things that have become normal in the world that should not necessarily become normal in our lives and things it's become normal for instance you can say pastor i don't know where you're going you will by the end of this message it's become normal to what to think about it this summer to binge watch we binge watch everything don't we i mean it's even promoted all right just stay with me don't turn me off don't if you're a binge watcher just hear the meat hear the whole of this message right it's become normal to 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 uh to binge drink today in our culture Think about the things that are normal in our culture. It become normal to fill our minds with messages of the songs that we hear on the radio. Boy, you're being legalistic. No, I'm just trying to help you see the drift. I'm trying to help you see the influence that the world can have on you that causes you to drift from where God wants you to drift out to sea. See, Where suddenly you're on an island by yourself and there's no way to get back. There is a way, but it makes it a lot harder. It has become normal to, to be in debt. It's become normal to be in debt in the world's economy. And and so it's infiltrated in in the church. It's become normal to be in in an inappropriate relationship before you're married. That's become normal in the world. And, And honestly, those under 50 don't realize that there was a time that was not normal in culture. It wasn't normal, but it has been. And now it's infiltrated into the church. That it's normal to have sexual relations with someone of the opposite sex. Well, today, even the same sex. And, and it's normal, and it's become normal even in our way of thinking. It's become normal uh, to, to, to post whatever you want on social media without the, the, the understanding of the fallout that would it bring. It's become normal to gossip, to talk about others. And, and I could keep coming and going and going, but what things in the world have become normal, and, and what the, the writer of Proverbs 31, this mom of this king, is saying, don't be normal, don't be like everybody else. You need to be what? Anything but normal. Can I be honest with you today? God has not called us to be normal. He's not. Normal is hurting us. What's the old saying in, in, in sports? What's the biggest enemy of good? I mean, of best? Good? You want to be the best, you can't be satisfied with being good. And so it is in church. We've allowed normal to come in. I don't want, I don't want a normal marriage. Who wants a normal marriage by the world's standards? I sure, sure don't. I don't want normal kids, and thank God, I don't have normal kids, right? No, I want them to be unnormal, not abnormal. I want them to be unnormal, right? I, I don't want to be a normal son. I don't want to be a normal husband. I don't want to be a normal father. I don't want to be a normal pastor. I want to be unnormal. I don't want to be what the world's standards are. I want to be what God's standards are for my life. I don't want to be a, 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 you shouldn't be a normal employee, an employer. You shouldn't be a normal student, a child, wife, husband, grandparents, whatever it is. Hey, you don't need to be a normal friend. You don't need to be a normal Christian by the world's standards today. Come on. If anything, I don't even like to call myself a Christian because of the backlash that comes because the world understands well, they don't understand everybody claims that it it's not it, but they see everybody that claims Christian to be Christian. And that, I'm sorry, that's not the way it works. I want to be unnormal. I don't want to be normal. And the truth is, we were never meant to be normal. We were meant to be royal. We were meant to be royal. We were meant to be special, not normal. And my has told me ever since I was a little guy, I was a special guy. All right? I was special. I am special. My wife still calls me special. <clears throat> I'm just a special sauce added to her life just to add a lot of flavor. That's all. Yeah. No, God never created us to be normal. He created us to be royal. He created us to be special. He did not create you to save you to be normal, to be like the world. Look look what Peter tells us over in 1 Peter 2.9. He says, but you are a chosen people. We, most of you guys can quote this. You are a chosen people, a royal Priesthood, not a normal priesthood, not a, not a normal people, but a chosen, royal, a holy nation. What God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. He, he, you are special. You are royal. He has chosen you. He has called you. What has he called you to do? To give him praise. In the darkness, you are to let your light shine. This is what he's called you. You're not normal. You cannot be a light and be Normal. I like, I think it's the King James. I always tell people all the time, I'm peculiar. I always tell kids all the time that I don't know. I'll reach and say, you can talk to me. I'm not a stranger. I'm just strange. And then I say, the Bible says I'm peculiar. That's that's what we're called to be. If you're normal, then it's highly possible that you're drifting along with what? The tide, the current, the culture, if I could put it that way. Which means you have been influenced by what is perceived to be Normal. You're going along with the flow, as we like to say, as followers of Christ. We're not called to to drift along with the world. We're not called to drift along with the crowd. We're not called to drift along with with, with the culture. We're called to be royal. We're special. And we're called to be influencers. That's how we let, that's how when we proclaim his praises in this dark world, he says what? It's going to be light. Now over in Matthew 5.14, we see Jesus. This is echoing a little bit about what Jesus says. He says, you're an influence." Matthew 5.14 says, you are the light of the world. You guys know this. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. In other words, your influence should not be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Your influence should be public, should be seen, should be obvious, should be noticeable by everybody. 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 In the same way, he says, let, light shine. let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and do what? Glorify. Everybody say glorify. glorify. Glorify your Father who is in heaven. The moment you accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you became an influencer. You are to be an influencer. You ever been in a totally dark room before? I know as kids, we we used to do this in kids' service and and rangers and stuff when we went camping. You know, you, you get in a totally dark room, you light a match. What happens to the darkness? It goes away, and in case you're wondering, darkness represents the sinful nature, the sinful culture of the world. That light represents you. One light, one match lit, it it, it shines a light that can be seen everywhere in a room. In the same way as a flashlight for God, when you walk into the room or, or match for God, everybody in the room should be able to see you. If you've been saved one day, you should be an influencer. I would almost say that as a newborn Christian, you have the greatest influence on those around you because your life will be changed. It will no longer be normal. It's going to be unnormal, right? But let me say this. I can't really stand on that because I have the word of God. As you mature in the Lord, as you grow in the Lord, you all that are mature and, and adults in the Lord, your light should be shining even brighter than that newborn Christian, You should have greater influence because of the seasoning, because of the giftedness that God has given you, because of what he's done and how your testimony has grown. My testimony is still being written. He saved me at a young age, but my testimony is still being written. It will not stop until the day that I take my last breath in this world and I'm in his presence. See, We're influencers. We are influencers. God did not create you. And then give you a purpose. He didn't say, okay, I'm going to create Mike Moats Now let's see, what Mike, what am I going to give you to do? No, 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 no. God says, I've got a purpose. And I'm going to create the perfect man for that purpose. I want you to think about that for a minute. God didn't say, well, what am I going to do with you? See, God knew 56 years ago. I to get my math right. Y'all pray for your pastor. I can't. I'm having a hard time remembering details about my own life. I had to write down that little story. This is a true story. I started off. I had to write that down. It's all in my notes, I can't. Re- I gotta remember it. But fifty-six years ago, God, God gave me. Actually, we, we could actually say fifty-seven years. From the moment I was conceived, God had a purpose for me, and one day He knew would be pastoring this church. He created me to be your pastor for this time, for this season in your life and in my life, and He does the same for every one of. His children, Psalms 139, confirms it. For you created my innermost being, my inmost being, Lord. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. Someone needs to hear this this morning. You need to hear this today. You are wonderfully made. You're, you're not here just because your, your biological mother and your biological father got together and decided they wanted to have intimacy. And I'm mean, nice because we've got little ears in the room, okay? You're not a moment of passion. Yes, you may have been conceived in that moment, but God, and I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that God allows uh, uh, relationships with a man, between a man and woman before they're married. I'm just saying what can be bad, God can use for good. And He knew the moment you was conceived, I've got something designed for your life, see? that that's what that means right there and you need to hear that today you are wonderfully created by god you're unique there is no one else like you right hey you might say praise god and you might say praise god depending on what side you're looking at you be saying i'm glad pastor there's only one you yeah maybe way you feel but you know what satan's saying whoo i'm glad there's only one tony t's oh yeah oh yeah that's why, hey, I want to be like the pastor, uh, the preacher. Uh, oh gosh, was it Wigglesworth? One of them talked about. I woke up one morning, they talked about that, and they and they said, uh, uh, "Oh, it's not even in my notes. Forgive me." But basically, it was like. Uh, one person said, "Oh, oh God, there, there's the devil at my at the foot of my bed." And he said, no, the devil oh no, God, he just woke up. Help me, right? Now, that's where I, I want to be. I want to be trouble for the enemy. I want my light to shine. I want my testimony to be loud and clear. I want people to know there's a God in heaven. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shine. I don't have to walk like the world. I don't have to look like the world. I don't have to act like the world. I don't have to act like the world, look like the world, to minister to the world. Come on, somebody. I don't have to justify my actions. To be able to minister to them. If God leads me in somewhere to minister somebody, I don't have to be like those sinners that are in that establishment. That's, if we don't, we don't have to be that way. If God's called you to minister those people, He'll give you the words. He'll open the door. No man comes to the Father unless the Spirit draws. Anyways, if He's drawing you, He's already done the work in those people's life to receive the gospel that you want to share. who that wasn't in my notes. That's that, that's extra, but no charge. I know. That full well, He says, I know God fully well that you created me for a purpose. You created me before I was ever born. You, you knit me together. You need to be confident of that today. Ma'am, sir, you need to know that today. You need to be understanding, convinced that you are wonderful and created. God created you uniquely who you are. You may have your hiccups. You may have your past. But it all uniquely makes you who you are today for your testimony. I'm a sinner saved by grace. I know this is going to alarm you. And you're going to shock you. Please don't leave church. I'm not perfect. I have a past. But my past is behind me. It's nailed to that cross. And it's covered in the blood of Jesus. And that's the gospel message. See, Amen. Praise God. You have to be convinced of this. My frame was hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. You want to know when life begins? The Bible's very clear. He tells you right here, if God knew, if God knew him, before his body was even fully formed, you know when, you know when life life begins. All the days ordained for me were written in your book, before one of them came. To be before I left my mother's womb, before I took my first breath in this world, you already had my life laid out for me. You already had things for me planned far in advance of my birth. You already had the purpose for why I was being born. See, God had plans for you before you were even conceived. You were created on purpose, I heard one preacher say, for a purpose. God created you on purpose for a purpose. He's uniquely made you who you are, giving you exactly what you need to fulfill. The purpose for your life to influence those around you to be a light. I think it's important that you understand that and discover your gifts and purposes. And I'm going to take a moment here to kind of give a little bit of a a commercial if I could. Um, One of the purposes of this church is right here. We put this up at every entrance except for the back entrance um, for a reason. This is... This is why we exist. If you call this church home, you better be able to say these four statements right here. You should be able to say the whole thing. Because every soul matters to God. This church as a body, but you as an individual, you're the church. Why? We want to be a place where people can meet God. Whether it's in this building or outside. Where they can find freedom. Freedom from what? Their past. Their hurt. Their disappointment. There's people, you may be here this morning, you need freedom. We want to help you find your freedom. And then what? To discover your purpose. Because why? Life doesn't start making sense until you discover your purpose and you start making a difference. You need to get that in ground in you. That's everything we do from Sunday morning Sunday school small groups to to Wednesday night small groups to the the seniors things on Thursday, the youth events we have, the kids, VBS, whatever, whatever it may be. That's that's why we exist. We're trying to create an atmosphere where whoever comes encounter with the Holy Spirit has drawn that they can meet God and they can find that freedom. Discover the purpose and make a difference. Because this is what I found people who discover their purpose and start making a difference, those are the most content, full of joy, happy Christians there are. And you know what I found? Honestly, they've also become the people 10 out of 10 times who stay put. Stay put within the body. Because why? You understand I'm here to serve, not to be served, if that makes sense. You're here, yes. Will you get served here? You will get served. But you're also here to make a difference. And not just in the four walls of this church, but yes, even in the four walls of this church. Sometimes pastors are very apologetic about that because we, we don't want to make it all about the body of Christ. But there's, there's, there's reaching a loss, and then there's building disciples. Technically, we should be reaching a loss outside the four walls of the church. That's it's being a light. Where do they get discipled? Within the ministries of the body of Christ whether it's with you one-on-one or within the small groups that we have. see, That's, that's why we exist, okay? That, that's, that's why we're here. This is what I know. When I understand why God created me and I do it, I'm less likely to what? To drift. I'm less likely to drift. When I know why God created me, I understand my purpose and I get it plugged in and I start doing whatever it is God's called me, designed me, had purpose for me when he gave me life. When I start doing that, I have less tendency to drift. See? That, that right there is the message, if nothing else. You need to get that right there. So we're created on a purpose, for a purpose. I've been created to be a light, to influence those around me, the world. So how do we grow that influence? See? How, if, if, if we know how we can stop the drift... And we're going to talk a little bit more about the drip. But how, how can I grow? If, th- if anything, this is the crux. I want you to understand you was created on purpose with a purpose. Before you was ever born, God already had a purpose for you. And, 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 and we need to discover what that is. But there are different levels of purpose. I want you, I'm, I'm, this is something John Maxwell teaches. So I'm, I'm not taking credit for this. You know, your pastor does have to read and study. Not everything just from the Holy, Holy Spirit leads me. This is something that I picked up from John Maxwell, who is a, I hate to say motivational speaker. He's a, he's a godly man, former pastor, but he just does, he teaches leadership. He's a very awesome leader. Over in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul's writing to a young pastor named Timothy. And Paul knows, if you've been in my Wednesday night Bible studies, or if you've, you've, you've been, I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, Paul knows his life is very short. He's facing the end of his life. He's trying to invest in this young pastor, and he's telling this young pastor that God has great things for him. And now let me say this God is no respecter of persons. Every one of you were created for great things. This is great. Listen to what he tells us. Second Timothy chapter two says, In a large house, verse twenty, there are articles not not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes. Remember, you're special. Made holy, useful to the master, and what prepared to do any good work. What Paul's talking about here, he's talking about the kingdom of God. There's a great house. He's talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a large place where there's lots of instruments. And here this morning, I'm looking at Instruments. He's not talking about these instruments. He's talking about you as instruments created by him to be purposed, to have an influence in this world. And so he's saying that there's some that are used for common, but there are some that are special. And according to what Paul's writing here, and I believe it lines up with the full gospel, the full full New Testament is you, you determine whether you're a common instrument or you're a special instrument do want you see that again. Let's read it again. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purpose. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter. Those who purge themselves from the common use, from the common things in life. See, the key to how God can use you is what you do to prepare yourself for that use. He's called you for a special purpose. You're a royal priesthood. You're a special possession. He's called you for a special purpose. But whether or not he can use you for whatever he's called you, it's dependent on what you do to prepare yourself for his use. That's some, some deep thinking. you gotta, you got to work that through your your of thinking there for just a minute, okay? Those of us who search our hearts, those of us who cleanse our hearts, he's talking about cleansing the, the instrument from common use. Those of us who chase after him, who want to be used in a special purpose, you actually play a part in how God can use you. So, I think I can say that. For you to, for you to grow in the Lord, or any other area of your life, for you to be cleansed, for you to be used in a special way, in a special purpose for God, you have to give some things up. I told you this would eventually come around where you may be my opening statements with less offensive although I hope it was offensive in a godly way. Paul is very clearly telling us that the mother of the king says, don't be common. Those are for common people. Those is what the culture calls normal. Don't go along with those things. That's not what royalty does. That's not what those who have been called, who have been set apart as royalty, in this case the king, for us we are a royal priesthood. Those are the things that you should be doing. Those are the things that are making you common. Those are the things that's causing you to drift to where you cannot be used in the special way that God has called you, designed you, and prepared you to be. I'm not getting a lot of amens, but I get it. I told you, this had to preach to me. This hit me upside my head. You want to be an unnormal dad? Some things you've got to give up, dad. Mom, same thing with you. If I want to be an unnormal pastor, there's some things I have to give up. There's some things I have to do, some things I don't need to do. And, and you want to be an abnormal student, an employer, employee, you, you, you I'm an American citizen, you know, a child of God. In order for you to grow in the area of influence, in any area of life that God has called you and He wants you to be special, He's uniquely gifted you to be, for you to do that, there's some options and there's some rights in your life you have to give up for your influence to grow. Where much is given. Where much is given, required or expected. Where much is given, required. Look, we're not going to be a normal church. I said that back in January. It's the angels, brother. I heard that. Back, I said that back in January. At the end time, we're not going to be a normal church. Listen, I'm getting ready and start next month to start preaching through the Book of Acts. I don't know. I know where I'm starting. I have nowhere when I'm going to end or where I'm going to end. Probably at the end of the book. Why? Because we have to get this figured out. I texted a brother, a brother in Christ, another pastor today, and I told him the same thing because it's very fresh in my heart. I prayed for him. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm expecting. I'm, I'm going to start living my life. I, mean, I don't want to be normal anymore. I don't want us to be just casual anymore. I don't, I don't want us just to come together and sing kumbaya and, and ring around the rosy and, and whatever and then leave here. I want to be uncommon. I want to be unnormal. I want to fulfill the call that he has, God has placed on me and on this church. There's a, there's a community that's at stake. Their lives are in the balance. We have to become more influential. We cannot have the influence in their lives if we're living like them. What's the difference between them and us? What's the difference between them and us? i tell you the difference. They don't know better than we do. I'm not being legalistic. I'm just telling you how the drift starts without you realizing it. You're just going to the beach for a good day, life, right? Day in the life, and the next thing you know, wow, how did I get this far off the beach? It's over my head, or I'm way down the beach. See, Yeah. So this triangle, go ahead and put the triangle up for me. This is, this is John Maxwell giving credit. and I meant to put it at the bottom, and I failed to, and I apologize. I'm not trying to take credit from this. See, at, at the point of, and I hope, cameraman, you're following me. Thank you, because I really need one up here to do this with. But this, this, is, this is influence up options and rights. So you see, you have a lot of options and rights at the bottom of the triangle. But look how, look how poor your influence is. But as you start giving them up, and the first thing we all know we need to give up, the Bible's very clear, we need to give up sin. Okay? Now, look, I'm not preaching to unsaved people this morning. If you're unsaved this morning, you'll have an opportunity to receive Christ. Hopefully, this message will, will pierce your heart, the Holy Spirit will draw you. I'm speaking to Christians. This is about Christians because why? We still have sin in our life. We have, we have sins of omission. We have sins that We commit. We have sin. And as long as you continue to walk in that sin, you have very little influence. That's why your friends around you aren't getting saved because you're acting like them. And you're being like them. You're talking like them. Ooh, pastor, you're a legalist. Okay, call me a legalist. I'm just telling you that we got to get a place where we're holy people again holy priesthood, a royal priesthood again. I don't care if our church doesn't grow in numbers. We're going to grow in spirituality, but we will make a difference, see? I, my job is not to grow this church. My job is to grow you as an individual here this morning. See my point? I, I take it very seriously. I can't control whether you bring people in through the door or not. I can control what you hear up here. You're getting some meat. This may seem like a very shallow message, but I tell you, there's some depth to this. you got to eat the meat right here. For you to have influence, you got to start saying no to some things, some of your rights and some of your options. And that begins in your life where you are openly committing sin and doing things that you know that are displeasing to God. And here's the thing some of those aren't necessarily sins. There's outside of that, hit my next slide for me. Outside of that, once you do that, you become common. But notice as you want to be used special the way God designed you, what do you have to start giving up more of? We say, Well, I don't know if that's biblical. It's biblical. That's just a pictorial form of the biblical scripture we've already been talking about. you got to cleanse yourself up to become special use of God to fulfill the part. that's Yes, he's speaking to a pastor, but he's speaking to every one of us. If that was not meant for the body of Christ, I don't think the Holy Spirit would have led that book to be in the Bible today. He wasn't, pre- yes, it's to me, but it's to all of us as the children of God because you're all ministers of the gospel. You're all called to share the light with people, to share the hope with people. And we have to understand as we do this, as we give up our rights, we become more influential. All right, you need an example? It's not, in, it's not, it's not on the screen. But you all that's in my Wednesday night Bible study, you guys are cream of the crop because you come faithfully every Wednesday night. And you know that we just talked about this just a couple weeks ago in the book of Corinthians, chapter 8, matter of fact. Paul is dealing with the church in Corinth, and they're eating meat offered to idols. And Paul even says to the mature Christian, quote, unquote, those that are full of knowledge, those who had found their spiritual freedom, those, and I'm not being sarcastic. They they understood grace. They understood that. They, 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 they got it. But there was some division. There was some, some animosity in the church. We, we know that. If you're there on Wednesday night, you study it. But the point of the matter is, he's quoting them and he's you know, talking about things that are lawful and unlawful. He says, We know that meat offered to idols really aren't anything. Because we know the idols aren't anything. Now, there's an evil spirit. I've got to give you the full counsel of that scripture. But he says, Okay. But he says this if you go to a a believer's home that offers you meat offered to idols because, let's face it, in Corinth, it's a Roman city full of false worship, a lot of altars, a lot of meat being offered to these false gods. The meat that you get out of a marketplace is going to be what? Meat offered to idols. Unless you grew your own meat, grew your own animals. And so he's saying, listen to me. And I know I'm teaching here, but you got to understand it. this is powerful, what this right here means. And, and he says, we know that. He says, so if you know there's a weaker brother, weaker brother, then don't do it if it offends them. It causes them to be a stumbling block. By the way, if you're sitting at the house of someone you're witnessing to, they're an unsaved, maybe they're a false god worshiper, don't do it there either, because why? It's gonna, they're going to wonder why you're eating meat offered to their god. It's gonna, it, That was prevalent in their society with all the different, different false worship. And this is what he said. Paul says, be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Be careful that your rights, your options, not sin. He didn't say sin. He said what? Your rights, your options. Be careful just because you know you have grace and you can talk this way. Just because you have grace and you can go do that. Just because you have grace and you can do this and you know that it's under grace. Just because, he quotes, all things are permissible, not everything is profitable. Just because, it. you know what, if you give up your, yes, your sin, and then you give up your rights and your options, you're going to go from being a common use utensil of God's hands to being special. I want to be special. I don't want to be normal. I want to be unnormal. See, I believe this is where the drift begins in the life of a Christian. Instead of being glad to give up our options, to be glad to give up our rights, to be used by God for a special purpose, we decide to exercise our options and our rights. Because why? We can Hit me right between the eyes. We have to give up our rights. Even to the point of allowing what culture deems to be normal to be abnormal in the lives of Christians. In other words, we allow things that are normal in culture to become normal in our lives. What they do, we do. What they watch, we watch. Where they go, we go. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling this church, if you're a guest today, I don't want to say you're off the hook. <laughs> I think it's for every Christian, but I know it's for this church, this body of believers for such a time as this. We have to start giving up our rights and options if we really want to be the influence that we want to be in the world around us. And I know that without a shout out because God birthed that within me for you for this day. God is looking for some people who are willing to give up some things in their life. He's looking for people who will not only give up sin, but things that aren't even considered sin. Because why? It it causes them not to fulfill the plans God has. What it does is it grabs our hearts. See, it grabs our attention. See, for instance, think about this. What, What or who do you turn to when life gets overstressed? When you're going through a hard time. When you're going through a tough season. A lot of times, anymore, Christians, before we go to God, we go to something else or someone else instead of to God. We, if anything, what we do is we remove ourselves from the presence of God's people. The drift. Hard times. Whew. You know what? It's been a rough week. I think I can just skip out of my small group this week. It's okay. Wow. There's some things I need to do around my house. I think, you know what? I'm just not gonna go to church this Sunday morning. Whew. Oh my goodness. Work. I'm so tired. I'm I've got so much to do. I think I'll just I'm just not gonna do my devotional this morning. Ooh, all my buddies are going out. I'm gonna go with them, but I can be an example. I can be a light, but then I go with them and sex thing. I'm acting like them. Listen, when God was birthing this to me, I said, Father, this sounds like it's a legalistic message. It sounds like I'm being harsh. And God just pointed out to me, it's my choice. Do I want to be special? Do I want to be common? Do I want to be normal? Or do I want to be abnormal? He's speaking to the Christians today. He's speaking to the church today. See? It's your choice. God says, "I have this." Don't choose this." But grace, yeah, thank God for grace. Thank God for grace, but don't allow your grace to empower you to be uncommon, or to be satisfied to be uncommon, to be normal. Or should I should have say common. Yeah. I had a lot more there. I think you got the point. We have to understand that God has called you. You have to understand that God has called me. God has called this church to be an influencer in the world around us. And the effectiveness of our ability to be used is dependent on our purity. I don't have time to go into it. But to be a utensil used in the temple worship in the Old Testament, whew, had to be handmade, beaten out, couldn't be formed up by any kind of form, had to be special, had to be set aside. It had to be used for only one purpose, whatever it was designed for. There's a lot of, lot, lot of things, but that's a picture of us as utensils in the hands of God. You and I were made to be holy and useful to God for a special purpose, see? But we cannot be used by God for a special purpose if we're not cleaned up. I'm not talking about going to hell. I'm just talking about being used for a special purpose. You know, to be on my staff, there's some requirements. To be on my board, there's some requirements to be a Sunday school teacher there's some requirements to work with youth and children there's some requirements to be a, a greeter there's some requirements to work in the nursery or the preschool there, to work in the sound booth to, to work on camera whatever whatever ministry we have here to be a part of our outreach team whatever there are some requirements why much is given much is required and you know I've lost people that didn't want to do some of these things or deny some of these things or give up the right some things because why to be honest with me they wanted to be common they didn't want to be special but it's also outside the four walls of the church. If you're wondering why you're not being an influence in your workplace or your school and your are your student, your friends at school, what have you, ask yourself this: If God's willing to save people, and God's leading you to live, what, what is your witness like? How bright is your light? Is it hidden? Is it? Have you allowed God to put? Are you? Have you purified yourself to be used for special purposes? A question you have to ask. I love 1 Thessalonians 5 22. This is a memory verse every one of you should be able to memorize. It's very short. It just simply says this. Reject every kind of evil. 1 Thessalonians. Just reject it. If it's evil, if it doesn't uplift God, I'm going to live a boring life, but think about the rewards. Think about the effectiveness. Think about how God's going to use you. We all know who Billy Graham is. Great man of God. Gone on to his reward. He saw probably millions of people saved under his ministry. Why? He gave up his rights and his options. He says, I'm going to live a life that is above reproach. I'm not saying you can be Billy Graham if you do that, because God designed Billy Graham, gave him life to do that. But God has something for you to do that cannot be accomplished unless you give up your rights and your options. What we like to do, though, when it comes to evil, when it comes to sin, because I know I'm right there with you when we see some you, we see that sin. It's so cute. Don't want to get too close. Oh, but it's so cute. I would love to be able to do that. No, no, no. Pastor, when does it become sin? How close can I get to it before it becomes sin? And then it's like, right? Oh, 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 right? And what we do is we glare at it. We, we, we lust after sin and we want to touch it. Come on. I'm being funny for a reason to lighten the mood, but you know it's true. I could take you over uh, uh, where, where uh, uh, I think it's James, forgive me. Holy Spirit, you got to help me bring it back where it's at there. But where, you know, sin begins right here. The impurity begins here. You think about it, you dwell on it. And for long, it gives birth to what? Desire. And for long, it's like, oh, isn't it? The, the, it's just a little sin. Just so cute. Well, you know what we find about sin? It causes us to be common, it causes us to drift. And before long, I didn't plan this. We're full of it. Full of sin. See? Yeah. Yeah. He says to give up the very appearance of it. Why? Why would God tell us to do this? Could it be that we have become normal in culture and that you've allowed the things in your life to become barriers to the call God's placed on your life? That's for you to decide. So he says he calls us back to separate ourselves from the world. Let's see? I'm, I'm going to close here in just a moment. Um, I'm going to forego all those notes. Alex, if you're in the praise team, come back up here. I'm not here this morning, and I know you probably would love for me to, I'm not here this morning to confess all my grave, terrible sins in my life or the ones that aren't so terrible and grave because I found that the little ones seem to take its toll more than the big ones. But I will tell you this, this is very transparent with you. I've been your pastor for 12 years. 12 years, a little over 12 years. Been a great run. No, I'm not resigning. <laughs> I don't want you to, no, no. But you know as well as I do, there have been times in my pastorate here that you just knew that the anointing and the fire of the Holy Spirit was upon me, whether was, whether I was preaching or mentoring or just in conversation You know, there's been times it's just been, wow, great ministry. Great. Now, I don't want to just gauge it on growth. I'm talking about spiritual growth, not numerical growth. Because I can't control you anymore, you can control me. But there's been times in these 12 years and prior to these 12 years that I know that my ministry has not been effective. Not been effective. It's like I'm butting my head up against a brick wall. It's like, I would say 80%. I had, to, I had to just, I felt the Lord say, "Okay, just gauge it. Just try to." And maybe He gave me this number. I wanted to be fair to myself because I don't want to sound like I'm totally he, he, heathen. But probably 80% of those times in, in my ministry at this church, that where it's like there's nothing happening there's just nothing going on it's dry there's just no moves of God we're not seeing the miraculous we're not people see people seeing people get saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit we're just father I know that you've given me this dream this vision is nothing like it probably 80% of those times it's not because God didn't want to it's because I had drifted I had become common I had I had stopped doing the things that I know I should do or I started doing things I know that were not should be doing, that were grabbing my heart, grabbing my attention, that became important to me, that really wasn't important to God. I'm not necessarily talking sin. Yes, some of it's sin. Some of it's just common stuff that I had the rights, I had the options to do and and, and, and because I, I exercised my options and my rights or I didn't give the time and the attention I needed to to my prayer life, my study life, uh, my, my life with the church or what have you. I pulled back from the body of the Christ. I, I isolated myself because that's my personality trait. That's the way that I am, but it's not the right way I need to be because I did that my ministry became common it became ineffective because why I had drifted and and had gone from being a special utensil to being common nothing wrong with common going to heaven nothing wrong with common the other 20% say what was that well maybe because it's just the enemy fighting maybe it's because Hurricane Michael hit maybe it's you know come on but I had to be honest with myself Because I want to be transparent with you because you need to be transparent with yourself. Have you become common? Have you become normal by the world's standards? See, Have you started drifting in your relationship with your purpose God designed you for? Do you know what your purpose is? Nearly 80% of the church world today doesn't know what their purpose is. That's why they're floundering. But when you find your purpose, you start making a difference. You don't want to do anything that's going to dishonor your purpose or cause your purpose to not have effectiveness anymore. That's where I'm at, Lord. I got, to, I've got to, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, what you called me to do, this special purpose, is important, just like it is yours, Lord. I don't want to do anything that's going to hamper my ability to witness, to be effective. I take it serious. Can I tell you? You should be taking it just as serious I am about what God's called you to. Amen. I think the key to it, and I'm going to close with this scripture, give you time for reflection. I think the key to it is what the psalmist said. Psalms 51.10, you probably can quote it. He says, Father, create in me a pure, a clean, a holy heart. Create in me. I tried and I can't do it, but you can do it. Help me, Lord. Oh, God, and renew, renew a steadfast spirit within me what I know about our God. You pray that prayer, he will answer it. But it's still up to you. It's still up to you. Some of you, I have nobody in mind. I have no activity, no particular activity. So I can say this all honesty. Because I've had to do this. I've had to back up and say, "Who? what am I watching? What am I allowing in my life? What is, what is culture dictating to me that it's normal that I'm doing that might be hampering my ability to minister. Some things that some of y'all be glad. Some things y'all say, "Woo, you do that?" And I said, "Lord, speak to me and help me, because I don't want to drift anymore. Create in me a pure heart, God. Renew my, renew within me, Lord, a steadfast spirit, Your spirit, God. I know, my God, if you ask Him, He'll do that." Amen. I want everyone to bow your heads close your eyes this morning. Father, I have been, I believe, obedient to your Spirit's leading today. Lord, I, I pray. I, I don't think I've added to or taken away from the intent of the, of the Scripture, the message of the Bible. And So, Lord, I leave it in the hands of your Spirit right now. I don't know everything about everybody's life. I'm glad they don't know everything about my life, and I'm glad, Father. So, God, work within each one of us right now. Help us to evaluate our lives. If there's sin, God, point it out. Matter of fact, you probably don't have to point it out, Lord. Just help us to confess it, to turn it over to you. But, Lord, there's other things that's causing us to be common. Pray, Lord, that you help us all to evaluate in our lives what might be hampering you from you fulfilling the grand purpose you have for each one of us. Would you just pray that right now? You may say, "I don't have anything, Pastor, in my life." Then just maybe you do. You don't see it, and just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. And I can tell you this: if you don't want to pray that way, then you probably do have something, and you're hiding it. You just don't want to confess it. He's the Spirit of Truth. He'll reveal it to you. I believe that. If you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Christ, you've not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you feel like, I once did that, but I really don't feel the closeness of God. I don't feel Him in my life. You probably have drifted. And So for you, I'd invite you to come to these altars this morning. I have a prayer team that'd like to talk to you, encourage you, pray with you, pray for you to help you on this journey. Because if you've drifted, then you probably need some freedom. If you've drifted, then you probably have lost your purpose. You're no longer making a difference. And that's why life feels the way it does. And I want to invite you, anybody in the house this morning, the rest of y'all be praying, God reveal it. I'm speaking to those who are not saved right now. The rest of y'all are praying about God. Shine a light in my soul, my spirit, my thoughts, my attitudes, my life. Help me see what I need to give up so I can be you special. But if you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus in a personal way and you want to give your life, you want to surrender your life to Christ today, right now, is a day of salvation. I want you to come to this altar and just kneel across this altar. Just kneel at the altar. Thank you. I need I need a prayer, one of my prayer team members coming up here very quickly and praying, talking to them about salvation, talk to them about Jesus before you pray with them. Let them help make sure they understand. Anybody else this morning? You're here this morning, and I just want to refresh. I just I've drifted. I don't know how I've gotten to where I am. I don't like it. I'm miserable. I just want to get back to where I once was. I want to get back to the shore. I want it's kind of like Peter when he realized it was Jesus on the beach. He jumped off the ship. He stopped fishing and he jumped off and he swam. That, that's you. Start making God, Jesus has not left you. You've left him. Go back to where you left him right now in the name of Jesus. Today is the day to make it all right. Today, today to correct it. Today is the day to short the distance in your relationship with Jesus. Anybody else this morning? We're going to give them time. Please at this moment don't. It's just 12 o'clock. Give, give us a few more moments to pray. Just a few more moments to pray. Holy Spirit may be using you to pray for somebody in this service right now that needs to come down here. Start praying. Start if God has revealed to you some things that you need to give up or let go of or some things you need to do right now. Nail them to the cross. Submit them to, to the will of God in your life. Come on. Right now, you really you really want to be close with God? You really want to be used in a special way? You want, to be, you want God's full plan to be revealed in you and fulfilled in you? Then start giving up your rights and your options right now. Nail them to the cross. Leave them at the altar. Walk away from them. So that you can be special, not common. So you can be unnormal and not normal. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name.
0: The creation suddenly are taking the
1: what's interesting about that song worship team didn't know where I was going with my message as far as title and direction but that very song that I saw as people started raising their hands you realize that song's about giving up your rights you gotta say no you gotta say no you gotta say yes to him the flesh, say no to the flesh Say no to your desires. Say yes to God. It's it's not hard. Well, okay. It's hard in the sense that you have to give it up. But it's really easy when you think about it. Just say no. Say no. Well, I don't know if I can do that. Then there's the drift. But you don't know how that has a grip on me. Oh, grip, a hold. Now we're dealing with a stronghold. Now we're dealing with something spiritual. See my point? I'm not going to re- start preaching again, although I sure could. The only way Christ could be magnified is when we reflect Him. We, ref- we ref- The only light that we can reflect is the light of God. The moon has no light. The sun does. All the moon does is reflect the light of the sun. The only light that we reflect is the light of the sun, S-O-N. God, but we got to make a choice to do it. You can say you're a Christian. Does your life line up with it? And you may be okay with common. I'm not okay with common. You may be okay with normal. I'm not okay with normal. I'm not. I'm gonna be peculiar. I think I've got that down. I think I've got that down. I'm gonna be goofy. Amen. I refuse to be calm. Praise God, a soul been brought into the kingdom. Amen. Praise God for those who responded in the altars and started praying, God created me a clean heart, a renewed spirit. It begins right there and then be aware of the drift amen you may have prayed that in your your seat I believe if you prayed it God heard it and he's going to honor that now what do we do from here don't sit down I'm not preaching I'm not closing again well maybe I am what do we do for those who have repented here today keep repenting but that doesn't line up with the gospel sure does sure does see a relationship with Jesus begins with repentance but it's also sustained with repentance I would say this if you're a follower of Christ and you've not repented of your sins in a while whew, you need you need to that's biblical well I'm a Christian I'm not denying that the drift it's the drift so every day every day your pastor repents father today, As I end my day, if I've done anything to offend you, if I've done anything to be sinful, if I've done anything out of omission, uh, anything, Father, forgive me. And if I know of something I've done, I've got to make it right. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Okay? Repent every day. Next thing you you need to be accountable. If you're a drifter, if you have that problem of drifting, then you need to be accountable. Okay? You need to find somebody in your life that you will be accountable to and accountable for. I think it goes both ways. And when you start to drift, you know this person is going to reach out to you and say, hey, seeing seen some things. I've noticed some things. I've missed you. You're not the same. You're not talking the same. I can't believe what I heard about you. I'm not saying listen to gossip, but if you heard something about somebody, go to them and say, this is what I heard. I need to know it's right or not. We need to clarify this. Be accountable. And the third thing you need to do, Re-engage. You need to re-engage. The activity of God, you need to re-engage your church. You need to re-engage your small group. You need to re-engage. And if you're not in ministry somebody where you need to engage in that, if you pulled out, you need to re-engage in that. I promise you, it's not because we need a lot of workers. We could use one or two here or there. I promise you, that's not why I'm doing this. I've never begged for workers. God's blessed this church for size church we have we that doesn't mean there's not room for you but god may be wanting to birth a new ministry in you you know right now we're about to start our small groups back up and we have no new groups to start up i'm so disappointed so sad because why if we only have five small groups technically there should only be 50 people total we have 150 people call this church home we need more small groups. You need to be praying about that. What could God, how could you? And then you know what? You, you If God leads you to be a small group leader, then you get this privilege. Helping people meet God, find their freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. And then those people become small group leaders. That's the New Testament church. You're going to start hearing about that in August. Amen? Now, how many of y'all would like a blessing today? Let me see your hands. I want you to raise your hands up if you would like to see have, receive a blessing today I'm going to do what the Bible what God instructed um, Aaron to do and I'm going to read it it's right here number 6 I haven't read it directly for a long time but if you receive this today you need to lift your hands and, and receive it in the name of Jesus Lord may you be blessed and may you bless and keep your people God right now in the name of Jesus may you make your face to shine God upon them and be gracious gracious to them Lord Lord, may You lift up Your countenance unto them and give them that peace that passes all understanding, God. And Lord, may they be reminded, God, that they are Your people, bought with a price. They're not their own, God, and that Your name has been written upon them, Father. In the name of Jesus, may they never forget whom they belong to. So wherever they go, whatever they do, Lord, bless them and keep them. And I thank You for it. In the wonderful name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. Amen. And amen. Give God praise in the house. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.